Amen. Wow. Need to get me all fired up and change all my notes. We can say for sure that the Word of God works. And uh, I want to just say those that may be viewing by live stream for the very first time, or if you're here at, uh, in the auditorium, this is your first time here, and you're searching, we believe today your search will be over. When you get introduced to Jesus, He has a way of changing you. And uh, He is the answer that this world needs. Man, I'm really excited. We got, an, you know, we got one testimony there. We got another one coming. How many of you like that? Do you know what the Bible says about that in the book of Revelation? And by the way, I just want to point this out. Being a teacher, I always take these teaching moments. It's not the book of Revelations. It's the book of Revelation. One revelation. It's the revelation of Jesus the Christ. So, the book of Revelation is not about the mark of the beast and the Antichrist. It's about the Christ. Okay? So, in the book of Revelations, it makes this statement. In the book of Revelations, it says, We overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Now, listen very carefully. I want to make sure you understand something. We used to have testimonies. We used to have testimonies in our Pentecostal full gospel churches. And uh, as a kid growing up, I'd, we'd have testimony service. That means everybody can get up and say whatever they want to say. Notice what I said. They'd get up and say whatever they wanted to say. Some of them get up there and they just want to get excited. Wow, wow. And then they'd get up there, and then after they'd do something, they'd say something stupid. That's totally anti-Bible. And they get so excited, and, and, and what they were thrilled with was not the word. They were thrilled with the emotion they felt. And that's the measure of a lot of people when they go to church. If I feel the emotion, they go right outside the church doors and be just as dumb and stupid as they've always been. This is what they used to do. They'd get up and say, well, I just want to give God all the glory and all the honor. You know, the devil's been after me all week. Bless his holy name. <laughs> Everybody in the church would, was, was, when we left, we thought, Thank dear Jesus, I wish I wouldn't have wasted my time. And then if you didn't know anything, you went away confused. A te- the word of your testimony is the word of God, not your emotion. Ain't got nothing to do with your emotion. Woo, shout me down because the preaching is so good. Nita got you all excited, and I just took all the air out of your balloon. We got another testimony. Raphael, would you come up here, please? Just come right on up here. You know, a lot of people say, well, I want to stay down there. No, I want to show you off. (laughs) Glory to God. And I think that is set. Just test it out. Introduce them. Give them your name. Rafael Aleman. Okay. (laughs) Did I do that right? You did good. Uh, 
you and your wife. Introduce your wife. There's Margie Aleman. Okay. All right. And uh, you, I, I don't want to take a lot of time, but I want to get right to the meat of the testimony right now. Y'all have been coming here, what, a couple of years? Year and a half. Year and a half. Year and a half. So you came almost right at the pandemic area. Right before it, yeah. Okay. January is the okay. last, yeah. Okay. 2020. So during this time, now you've had a career as a salesman. Yes. Is that correct? In the car business. In yes. the car business. And what, I'm kind of leading you up, and then I'm going to let you take it, okay? okay. Uh, what is probably the average salesman that sells car, what do they sell probably a month on the, average? The average is eight to nine. Eight to nine. Uh-huh. And, and that's at a big dealership. Eight to nine. Mm-hmm. And so you were a little above average. Yes. I was, I, God blessed me with just people coming to me all the time. And I was, I'd average about 15, 20 cars, you know. Okay. Now we're going to shift out of first gear. Yep. And we're going to pop the clutch and burn pop rubber right now. All right. Okay. <laughs> you kind of re- pulled back, retired. You moved back here from uh, Albuquerque, New, New Mexico. Albuquerque, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. You found the church. You started hearing the, the teaching. Yes. And, and it started building faith in you, but you didn't, you didn't try to struggle to accomplish what we're fixing to talk about. No. Okay. Yeah. You took a job, kind of part-time. Right. At a used car lot. It's not a big lot compared to big dealerships. Oh, no. All right. Take it from there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, God's blessings. Oh. When we moved here, we found this church, and God just stirred in us to just go to a different level. So, I was raised Pentecostal, you know, and uh, I know we were there. Ilda up here, I mean, I. I didn't even know she came here. We've known each other since we were like four. We were born. And it's like, oh my goodness, is that you? And she's like, is that you? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> I know. And, and so I was raised Pentecostal. I, I went, I, I mean, since I was a little, little kid. So, and we all hear the teachings of the importance of being obedient in all areas of our spiritual life. But the one thing I was never faithful was tithing. You know? And you think you're doing well, you think Let me pull that you up. think there that you you're go. you're just, you know, doing good spiritually and everything's good, but uh, the tithing uh, it wasn't until I was 60 years old till we started coming here and the conviction that God put on both Margie and I was to go to the next level. So we committed, we talked, and uh, we, she agreed. This is a team effort. It's not only me. 
It's, right. it's Margie, too. Amen. Because she signs the checks. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, one of the times I, I signed the, the tithe check and the bank wouldn't catch it, cash it because they didn't recognize my signature. <laughs> so, so, but all kidding aside, we, we did it together, you know. And, and since then, my gosh, I, I already said the average is eight. I was, God blessed me and I was always above average. And the top sales guys are usually around 30 cars a month, consistently 35. Here, since we started tithing the blessings, not only by the sales, but getting the refund here that we didn't even know about, you know, getting a little extra here, saving money. We were looking for a vehicle for our uh, second grandson who's turning 16. So we bought our first grandson a car, so we had to buy the other grandson a car. <laughs> well, so anyhow, then we uh, were searching for a vehicle and we had a budget. And uh, so we asked our, our brother-in-law, hey, can, we're looking for a car for Daniel. And God blessed us in this way too. And he goes, oh, okay, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll see if I can find something. The next day, somebody, the neighbor comes knocking on the door. Hey, you know what? We're just putting our, my, my mother-in-law in assisted living. She's got this really nice little Honda, you know, and this little car looked brand new. Once she owned it from brand new and we paid less than half of what we budgeted for, you know? And so God's blessings aren't only on what we earn and what we make, but on what God saves us, you know? And, and so, but the blessings of God come like a flood. Woo! <laughs> you know, I even have a problem Believe it. <laughs> so, anyway, I've been consistently doing 40 cars a month. <laughs> yeah, y'all are going to stand up for this one. <laughs> Last month, God blessed us with 67 cars. Yeah, give God the glory. Come on. <laughs> so, but, and it's to a point to where I have friends back in Albuquerque that we were in the car business together, and I don't even want to tell them that number. Because they'll look at me and they'll go, oh, that's great. That's really good. Then they'll get with the other good. Yeah, you believe that? Oh, right. you know. But God is good, you know, and, and sometimes maybe that's the point where he needed to show me in that fashion to push me over. You might not need to be pushed that far over. 
Yeah, you understand what I'm saying is God showed me in a fashion that's unbelievable, you know, but tithing, being faithful. Now it's come to a point to where we were out of town last week and then I called last Tuesday and Nita, Nita was over there and I'm like, can I come by? And she's like, sure. And then I'm like, here, here's the tithe. It's not mine. <laughs> you know? Because now it's not our money. It's not our money. It's God's money. And God said, and he holds true, he is faithful to his word. Amen. I got a question for you. Now, you told me this, so I want to make sure. The, the, the car lot you work for, the people that own it. Yes. Th- tell me their response and tell me, tell me y'all's conversation, because oh. this is important. This is very important. We're here to give witness to the workings of God. So they're like, man, you're the best salesman we've ever seen, you know? (laughs) And you know what? And God is my witness. I look at them and I go, no, it's not me. I'm telling you right now, it's not me. I'm a 15, 20 a month car guy. God took me to another level. Only God can do this. There's no other explanation. What explanation could there be? All of a sudden, I went by myself with no additional training to another level in selling cars? No. God brought the people to show me. He kept bringing the people and keeps bringing the people that are going to say, yes, yeah, this is the right one for me. So, and that's what I tell them. And when they give me, when they pay me, I tell them, you know what, 10% of this is going, this isn't mine, this is God. And they're like, really? You you really do that? And I'm like, faithfully. And I said, I haven't done it in my entire life. As a matter of fact, I'm kind of ashamed that I haven't been tithing the way I should have. But now, it, though, that's over. That's, that's, that guy's not around anymore. <laughs> now I'm here, and we're faithful to the end. And uh, so God is good. Amen. Well, I wanted you to hear that because I, we get up here and Nita mentioned it today. I didn't know she was going to do what she did, but I, I want you to stand. This works. This is not. This is not. Uh, this is not something that we get up and that's the false premise. This is the devil likes to talk to people that listen to the word of God. Now, let me put it this way: They like to get the devil likes you to get focused on a person. And then he'll go back by yourself, and he'll talk to you, and he'll say, they're just trying to get your money. And, and uh, that's not true. In fact, the, the, the whole point of this testimony is not about money. It's about trusting God enough to obey what he said. And sad to say, in the past, everybody say the past. In the past, there's been very, a lot of people that have come inside of a building they call the church. And they go through a formality, but they deny the power 
of what they heard to work in their life. They leave everything inside this building. And then they'll pat themselves on the back and say, well, God, I'm a good person. I went to church on Sunday. Well, what did, what was said? I have no idea, but I went to church. I know that Pastor Ronnie did a good job because he made me laugh. What if Pastor Ronnie got underneath your skin? My mom used to say this all the time. Ronnie, I read, when, whenever I read the Bible, the Bible always talks to me about me. What, what is it saying? It's got to get in you so you'll do it. It cannot be a surface thing. If you're letting it become a surface thing, your life will stay in chaos. That's going to lead me up to where we're going today. It'll stay in, the, in, in chaos. Go with me to the book of James. We're going to get right into this for the time's sake. Glory to God. Thank God the word works. Yes. Amen. Father, we worship you, we praise you, we thank you for the spirit of wisdom, revelation, knowledge. I thank you, Father, that you give us ears to hear, hearts to receive. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you give me accurate words to convey understanding. And we thank you, Father God, that I have your thoughts. And we give you the praise and thanksgiving, for we believe that we will not leave the way we came. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, i got to touch base on this, so this is the type that I am, and... Uh, I like to be thorough, and so I want us to go back to the book of James for just a moment. We've been talking, we started a new series last week on divine order, actually. It's called the law of divine order. And God has designed us to live a principled life. You know what principled means? It means living after the order of God. God is principled. He's not helter-skelter. So many Christians, and they'll make this statement. After all, you never know what God's going to do. That's the most squirrely, confused thing you can say. God is the most consistent. He's faithful. We, 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 heard, we heard Raphael make this statement. God is faithful. What does that mean? That means he doesn't speak out of both sides of his mouth. He doesn't say one thing means something else. What he says he means, and what he means he says. In other words, God don't flap uh, his jaw like we do. Spout off. Oops, I shouldn't have said that. No. You've never heard in the Bible, you've never seen in the Bible where God said, I wish I could take all that back. So when you say those statements, I know you're, we say it out of ignorance, but there's no sense in being ignorant. Now, listen carefully. If, if knowledge is available, I'm talking about God's knowledge, is available to you, and you refuse it, then you're no longer ignorant. You're stupid. You're in a rebellious attitude. Okay? We live in a society that's full of rebellion. It's anti-God. Okay? Every one of us go through this process because it's human nature. The Bible says flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. 
And you're never going to be understand by the world. So I don't know why, I don't know why we as Christians think that we've got to try, try to reach across the aisle to those that are anti-God. You're supposed to stand out. Be different. Now, you, you are to love them. You are to witness to them. You are to bring them to the good news. That's true. But why do we think we got to compromise with the devil? Let, let, oh, man, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's just read in James chapter 3 real quick. And I want to start with verse 13. We will be reading out of the King James. Who is a wise man? And endued or endowed, we could say, with knowledge among you. Let him show out of a good conversation his works. We could say his lifestyle. With meekness of wisdom. Now, meekness of wisdom. The wisdom that God has, the God kind of wisdom, is not arrogant. It's meek. We seen someone that gave, gave a testimony. We seen Nita that gave the testimony, Raphael that gave the testimony, and they walked in the wisdom of God, and guess what? They had to be meek towards it. In other words, they had to be teachable. That's what meek means. It means to be teachable. Hum, humility and, and meekness work together. All right. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. Isn't our society full of this right here? Bitter envying and strife. And then he says, glory not and lie not against the what? Truth. Now listen very carefully. We've all believed a lie and done things that we thought were the truth. Every single person has done that. So this is not a condemnation. This is conviction time. You have to desire truth. Okay? Truth is what makes you free. Whatever dilemma, whatever bondage that anybody in here is in, truth is what sets you free. And guess what? The world doesn't want to help you find the truth. As a society, in our, in our generation, in this society, what's going on in this nation alone ought to help you understand. It's not, it doesn't want to seek the truth. Now, God's making the truth come out. But then you still got people that, that won't believe it. You know what they're doing? They're denying the truth. They don't want to believe it. Truth Truth has a way of slapping you upside the head, okay? But its intention is to alarm you, to wake you up. Go in this direction. Don't go in that direction. There is right and wrong. I'm going to say that one more time because I don't think we get it. There is right and wrong. And half the things that are going on in our country right now are on the wrong side. They're anti-God. I'm moving along. I don't have time to go on everything I'd like to say. We prayed that I would have the mind of Christ, not the mind of Ronnie Allen. 
Listen carefully. The wisdom that produces bitter envy and strife and lies against the truth. What do we got a lot? We got, listen, in our society right now, they can have truth presented to them. And do you really believe that putting that stupid mask on is going to deliver you from a virus? If you believe that, I got a piece of land that I want to sell you. It's in the swamp, but you can build your house on it. You see, if you keep getting information that is not based on truth, you be eventually begin to believe it. We have what we call news which is nothing more than misinformation centers to misinform you. This is the first time in human history that a pandemic has hit a generation and that the so-called experts want to quarantine all the healthy people. Do you understand? And it's costing us to believe that lie. There's more behind this than what you think, but you got to wake up. Now, let's apply that to your own personal life. Everything I'm talking about is applying to your personal life. Everything. You're going to have to get the truth from God because you cannot get it from CBN, ABC, CBS, and the misinformation centers. They're propagandists. They are not the news media. All right. Because they won't even let you have a challenge to their information. Moving right along. We got we to gotta move. Some of y'all praying me out of this corner. But we're envying, look at this, wisdom that, this wisdom that gets you into lying against the truth and, and into strife and all that kind of stuff is this wisdom descends not from above. It doesn't come from God, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. Earthly, sensual, and devilish. In other words, it didn't come from above. It originated down here on earth. Okay? And guess what? It's sensual. And it's demonically inspired. Let me give you this definition. Sensual means bestial nature. Having the nature of an animal which men have in common with brutes. Governed by the sensual nature with its passion and appetite. Wisdom is the ability to use knowledge. So we can have knowledge. You can get knowledge, but that doesn't mean you know what to do with it. We've got a bunch of people that have got plaques on the wall from an educational system, and they think they got a plaque on the wall with some kind of diploma, and we'll spend hundreds of thousands of dollars trying to get people, our children to go, and when they get back, guess what? They're, they got some knowledge, but they're, they're, they have no wisdom. And if you don't 
seek the wisdom of God, you're not going to know how to use that knowledge. You can misuse it. And there's only two kinds of wisdom in the earth. There's one that comes from above, and then there's another one that's demonically inspired from off earth. And it's driven by the senses. It's sensual. It's animalistic. And what, what, what is our educational system fell prey to a theory that men are no better. And when I say men, dear God, mankind is no better than an animal. And guess what we have become? Animalistic. So this wisdom that's floating through the earth now is a wisdom that is driven by the senses, just like an animal. An an animal's not reasoning. Let, Let me give you an example. A cow doesn't care where you put the hay. Do you know what a cow is going to do if we turn a cow loose in here? Cow's going to be looking for the hay. You can put a cow inside this room, put some hay in here, and it doesn't care whether it's in here. But if you take the hay and put it outside, it's going to go outside. It doesn't care. We're the only ones that like comfort. And so guess what we've been doing? We've been listening to lies in and outside the body of Christ. We've been listening to lies instead of be seekers of the truth, trying to make us comfortable being miserable. Are you following me? And we've been led around and conformed to a wisdom that's demonically inspired. Are you, are, are you getting that? Okay. Now, there is good news. There is wisdom that's from above. And I'm going to read the rest of that, and then i got to hurry for time's sake. Everybody else used up my, my time. I'm blaming it all on them. By the way, that's why I had them first. Okay. <clears throat> it's where, and then he goes on in verse 16, for where there is envy and strife, there is confusion, and every, every, every evil work. This wisdom that's in the earth provides a haven for the devil's work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. In other words, it's based on truth. Peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality. That means there's no prejudice in it. And without hypocrisy. In other words, it's not requiring something from somebody else that it does not require of itself. And I want to say this to you right now. You know that this wisdom is from above because God never, ever requires anything of us that he doesn't require of himself. If he requires you to believe his word, it's because he believes it. And he's faithful to it. If he he says, be faithful and believe me, it's because he's faithful and believes it. Am I making sense to you now? Verse 18, and the fruit of righteousness. Now, get this. Did you get that? 
There is things that are right, and there is things that are wrong. And the fruit of righteousness comes from this wisdom. It's a fruit that comes from this wisdom. Is sown in peace of them that make peace. Did you get that? Now, there are two kinds of wisdom. Let's go to the book of Genesis real quickly. Genesis chapter 1. I wanted to get really down the road, but I I don't know. We'll see. Go to Genesis chapter 1. My intent, I just let you know my intent, and you can read this for yourself if you don't. Uh, My intent was to read chapter 1 of Genesis verses 1 through 19. We're going to see how far we can get. We must develop a biblical worldview, not a political worldview. A biblical worldview. Now, what does that mean? That means the system, understand this, we were designed to run, our whole existence runs off of systems. Systems are a way for things to operate. We'll put it like that in its simplest form. It's a way things operate. And God has designed everything in our life to run off of a system. We have the solar system, okay, for example. And the solar system doesn't have a problem. Okay. And we have a digestive system. Even in our bodies, we have a, we have a respiratory system. We have, a, you know, a digestive, respiratory, circulatory system. Now, if something goes wrong with those, what do we do? We look to find out how it's supposed to operate. And how to get it corrected. Because there is right and there is wrong. Are you following that? But if you're going to be animalistic in your wisdom. You will violate that system. Do you hear me? You take a dog. You take your dog, your pet dog. You better learn, listen carefully, that dog will eat anything you set before it. Hello? My mom used to tell me, Ronnie, your dog stinks because you've been feeding it scraps. Y'all, so how many of y'all knew that? Your dog will stink you feed it scraps. That's the reason why you go in some people's house, they've been table feeding it. And they got house of toasts and they can't smell it no more. Are you listening? They don't know it because they're used to it. Are you following me? How did I get off on that, Jesus? The same thing is true when you become animalistic in nature. Let me, get, let me bring it to where I'm talking about us, not your dog. I like donuts. Not as much as I used to, but I like donuts. And an animalistic wisdom 
will make you eat a dozen donuts at one setting. Just like an animal. Are you following me? Y'all have never done that. Got real quiet in this place. Okay? I, I have to tell you the truth. Zona and I like pumpkin pie. I'm not going to tell you how recently, but it hadn't been recently. But at one time, a few years back, we couldn't hardly wait for Bill Millers to start serving pumpkin pie again. We went and bought a pumpkin pie, and we ate the whole thing. Me and her, we split it half. It's the thing that will make you, listen carefully, eat the whole thing, and then you'll, you'll be like, I can't believe I ate the whole thing. That's that nature. That's that wisdom. It's earthly, sensual, and demonically inspired. The devil hates your physical body. Do you know why? Your physical body gives you the authority to take responsibility on the earth. Once that body's gone, you have no say-so. And you shouldn't have say-so in an election. Are you following me? So, that's that wisdom that's, that's dwelling here on the earth. Now, where did that come from? Genesis chapter 1. Watch this. Where did that come from? Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Who did? God did. Now, watch verse 2. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Now, stop, because we're going to come back to the rest of this. So God created the, heavens, the heaven and the earth, and it was without form and void. As if God created the earth without form and void. That's impossible. Nothing in heaven is without form and void. There's nothing confused. There's nothing chaotic. Everything has its place. Everything understands its place and its purpose. Where we have trouble is fighting this wisdom that's demonically inspired on earth to find out our place and our purpose. Okay? And we, we, we're like a dog chasing its tail. And we don't know why. It's because God created us, not this devil that's inspired a demonic wisdom that's caused us to act like animals. Okay? Animals, how many of you, dog eat dog out there? Where did that come from? Where did that start being compared to? Animals. Now, y'all still with me? How many of you still love Jesus? It's going to get good, but I want to show you this. In the book of 1 Corinthians, don't turn there. I'm referencing it. Verse 14, verse 33, Paul the apostle was speaking to the church at Corinth, and they had received the gifts of the Spirit. And as a Pentecostal charismatic uh, uh, believer being raised up in that type church, 
one of the most chaotic church services is a bunch of believers that don't understand divine order. Don't understand it. So they think because I've got this urge or feeling that I can say what I want to when I want to. My dad, I'll never forget this. Right here in this building, he's preaching. And all of a sudden, we had pews back then. All of a sudden, about the second or third row, this is on a Sunday morning. About the second or third row, this man, because he didn't understand wisdom and divine order from God. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, the man jumps up, slaps his hand on the back of the pew in front of him, and starts, in his terms, in his thoughts, prophesying. And this, you know what he prophesied? Oh, everybody listen. I'm going to paraphrase it. Everybody listen to the man of God. He's speaking the word of God. And my thought immediately was, they were until you acted like an idiot. No one, no one listened to the rest of the sermon. My dad had to set him down. But you could, everybody from that point on was frightened of what was going to happen next. Because he didn't understand divine order. He used the animalistic nature to try to apply it to the feeling he had and apply it to, quote, his, the, what he thought was the gift of the Spirit. That was divine order, and it destroyed what God was trying to do. And the devil showed up in his flesh to do it. So Paul is talking to the church that has this going on and they don't understand the divine order of God. So all these gifts of the Spirit, people are talking out of order. It's confused. It's a mess. And so Paul is bringing divine order to it. And listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians 14, 33. He said, God is not the author of confusion. Now, the word confusion... And this word void, they kind of have a, because void here in Genesis means that it is, that it is, uh, there's no structure to it. It's just helter-skelter. It's out there everywhere. It's dark. It's a mess. How many of you have ever been woken up by the phone in the middle of the night, and you're trying to fumble around, find the phone, and it's in the night, and you, you're, you're half asleep, and you can't see anything, and you stump your big toe on the edge of the bedstead? Anybody ever done that? Or am I the only one that's stupid? No, we've all done that. I mean, you know, it's common. Now, because it happened, here's something else that makes us see that it's not divine understanding. And by the way, the Bible tells us to get wisdom, and with all that getting, get understanding. And this is probably the biggest problem that most Christians have. And I've had, I've had it, and I, I constantly seek. I want to understand is that we think because something happens that God ordained it. 
And right here, we see an example of what I'm talking about. People think because the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep that God did this. God didn't do this. It's impossible for God to be in disorder. A great man of God who's passed on to be with Jesus, I heard him make a statement years ago, and it really, it, it, it sunk into me. And he said it right here in this church. We had him as a guest speaker, Dr. Jim Zirkel. He said, the first law of God, the first principle of God, and we'll put it like that, if for everybody that's offended by the word law, the first principle of God is order. First principle of God. These are parallels to your own personal life. Watch this. God created you. In your mother's womb. Are you following that? He created you in your mother's womb. And you were born, David said, and shapened in iniquity. What does that mean? With a fallen human nature. But you were created by God. Where did that chaos, where did all of that Fallen human nature, where did that lead us? It began to develop the moment you were physically born. We could say it another way. Our lives became void and dark because of the fallen human nature and that nature that's full of the devil. Are you following that? Y'all don't follow that. How many, of you, how many of you know it doesn't take very long for your kid to learn how to throw a fit? You're saying, no, you cannot have candy before supper. Or you've got your, how many of you that have went to the grocery store and guess what? They passed by the candy aisle and they threw a fit in the cart while you're driving to go to the cashier and guess why they put the candy right there? And he bawls and squalls and cries and you're trying, you're, you're trying to appease him and you just want to get out of there. So guess what you do? I just want to get out of here. You're not principle driven. You're emotion driven. Give him the candy and let's get the heck out of here. How many of you ever had kids? Lie not against the truth. Okay. Now, the same thing happened. There's a parallel truth in our individual personal lives and as creation as a whole. God didn't create this world a mess. God is... I, you know, don't, this is not the best word I want to use, but he's organized. He, he knows where everything's supposed to fit and its purpose. He created it with its purpose. You follow what I'm saying? Okay. So what happened in verse 2? The devil who was full of rebellion called Lucifer was cast out of heaven and he, he came to influence the earth. 
So he said, I'll just go to the earth. And he threw this whole place into turmoil, trying to mess up God's plan. Okay? If God's not the author of confusion, then who, who instigates it? The devil does. See, the, the God, it, it, he goes on in that verse in 1 Corinthians. It says that he's the God of peace. Now, the word peace means, like Nita said, nothing missing, nothing broken. But it means a place of tranquil. It means where everything is in place. If you want to know what happened to Raphael, Raphael got in tune with God and got things in order. And guess what it created? It created a serendipity. Do you know what serendipity is? I invested nearly two years talking about that here. Serendipity is where timing, resources, and everything come together to make something happen that you cannot explain. You just happen to be at the right place at the right time, and you have no clue how you got there. That's what we call serendipity. But from a biblical standpoint, the Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes that time and chance, in other words, the, he goes in there and he says, the race is not to the swift nor the battle to the strong nor wealth uh, uh, nor riches to the wise. He said, but time and chance bring them together. Now, when you start talking about chance, everybody looks at, well, we just, we're just taking a chance. No, 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 you're, you're missing it. It means God brings these elements together at a specific moment to where they're supposed to be. I'm going to put it this way. It's you're being under the spout where the glory pours out. That's what happened to Raphael. He can't explain. That's why he says, I can't, I, I can't take credit. I can't take credit for that. I just happened to be in place. Now, when you obey God and you start following God and get rid of the disinformation out there and stop operating in earthly wisdom and start operating in a wisdom from God, he maneuvers your life to get it back into divine order. Our nation has gotten out of, out of whack from its original create, uh, 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 establishment. Because that generation that, that our forefathers uh, uh, established this nation on was seeking God, not technology. You follow me? The most important things in life are not what you see. It's what you don't see. And God brings all of these alignments together. But guess what he's got to do? You may have been so far out and confused that he has to do it one moment at a time. You don't quit. That's why I keep telling people, I've said it for years. If you will be diligent to give your God five years of your life, Five years, why five? Well, five means grace for one thing. That's the number that associated with grace. 
You give him five years of your life to let him influence you and be diligent about it. I don't mean casual where you show up once in a while. Let him straighten out your priorities, straighten out your thinking, and he'll get you aligned so that you can be in divine order. Now, listen very carefully. What am I supposed to do in the meantime, Ronnie, if I was that far off? Just like everybody else, stay with it. Another great man of God made a statement years ago, and I have never forgotten it. And he said, God counts perfection on the way to perfection. So God's not condemning you. One Sunday, and I'm running out of time, so I won't be able to go to verses 19. But one Sunday, I came up here with an extension cord. How many of you have ever had to fight unraveling an extension cord and you were in a hurry? Do you know why you were frustrated? Because you didn't put it in order. So I brought an extension cord up and it was a tangled mess. How many of you know? To untangle that extension cord, it's going to take a little time. See, here's one of the greatest lies of the devil is to get people to perceive that you can come to God and after you get, make him, you know, get saved that Sunday, that everything in your life is going to run smooth forever. And I can go back out and do my own thing again. Your own thing is what got you in the mess you're in. Okay? If you're going to give your life to Jesus, give it to him. In other words, remove all options. And let him begin to untangle your life. Now, when he starts untangling it, to keep it from getting tangled again, he has a way for that cord to be wrapped up again so it does not get tangled. That includes every aspect, every avenue, every thought, every attitude of our lives. God has a divine order. It applies. We haven't got down to it, but we're going to get to it. Do you know that God has a divine order for your body? He has a divine order for an institution he created called marriage. And he instituted it that way because that's the proper order. You get out of that order, you're going to have hell on earth. You're going to have hell. And then you want to go, I don't know why God blessed me with this wife. Adam started trying to play the, that, that game. The wife you gave me, God, it's your fault you gave her to me. 
But I tell you what, when he formed her and breathed life, uh, life into her and she became a woman, I guarantee you at that moment, he said, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but you give him just a few chapters. Not even, I mean, you don't hardly get the next chapter. And then all of a sudden, he said, the wife you gave me. It's your fault, God. Are you following me? The problem was Adam didn't stay in divine order. God has a divine order. He's got a divine order for your finances. We've heard a testimony of it today, a divine order for your finances. But earthly wisdom will try to talk you out of it. It'll try to make you think, oh, well, you know better than God. No, who created who? But see, if you don't believe in God, you, you think men created God. No, men didn't create God. God created man. Who are we to instruct God? Are you understanding? Let, let me say this, and then I got to stop. We'll, get, we'll pick up, Lord willing, right here next week. The Bible tells us the number one problem in our society is this, and that's the difference from our founding fathers. That generation had a fear of God. This generation has departed from it. Half of the people in this country don't even believe that there is a God. The Bible says the fear of God. When we talk about fear, we're not talking about being afraid of God. God doesn't want people to be afraid of him because he wants a relationship. He's talking about a reverential, holy respect like a father is supposed to have toward a child so that he can instruct them in his wisdom. But the Bible puts it like this. By the fear of God, men depart from evil. The fear of God is the beginning of heaven's wisdom. We can say it another way. It's the principal part of heaven's, heaven's wisdom. But when we disregard God and we take, listen carefully, we take the misinformation of our generation to more to heart than we do what God has to say, I promise you, you will operate in that wisdom and you will be conformed to their devilish nature. And you can show up here every Sunday. This is the time God is saying to the body of Christ, you need to wake up. Because if you don't wake up, when my judgment hits, you're going to be on the wrong side because every seed will be judged with its fruit. You say, well, Pastor Ronnie, I don't like you talking to me stern like this. Well, you want me to talk to you the truth or do you want me to help you to be comfortable being miserable? You see, the problem is we want the church to have a buddy system. 
And a buddy, you don't need a pastor that's going to be your buddy. Now, that doesn't mean we can't hang out and you can invite me to go fishing. That doesn't, that's not what it means. It means having someone on a level that we can just be familiar with both, each, both of our miseries. So we're, we're, we're just buddies. We're, just, we're in this together. We're just buddies. And when we talk, we just, we, guess what? We're going to talk about our misery, and we're just going to gripe and complain about our miseries. Okay? Or do you need to hear from God? If you need to hear from God, that's why you need a pastor. That's what a real pastor is for, is to equip you. Nita's already said it, is to equip you to deal with this demonic nature. Because every one of us are going to contend with it. We're in this world, but we don't have to be of this system. We can be of a heavenly system. And that heavenly system will absolutely help us to overcome the lies of the devil and be a witness to this generation. And I'm going to stop right there. Father, we thank you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, th- this, is, this is conviction time. This is the time that you convince us. This is the time that you talk to us. We don't need, we don't need glitz and glitter. We need the truth. We don't need hype. We need to hear from you. Lord, I thank you for every person in the sound of my voice, including me. Lord, the spirit of conviction is here. You're dealing with us. You're not condemning us. You don't want us to stay where we're at. As an individual, as a marriage, as a family, and certainly not as a nation either. Lord, we thank you right now that you are hovering, just like you said in the book of Genesis. You're hovering with your spirit. Your spirit is moving upon the face of the deep where all this darkness and confusion's at. And guess what? Father, we're going to hear your voice that's going to speak and begin to set things in order. You're speaking to our hearts today. And you're saying, I'm going to set things in order if you will humble yourself. If you will humble yourself to the truth of my word. If we'll do that, God will begin to set things in a harmonious order. Where life has meaning and we have purpose. Now, Father, if there's anyone here or anyone viewing by live stream that doesn't know you, Lord, I am convinced it was your spirit that drew them. It's not the personality of Ronnie Allen. It's your spirit that drew them. And it's your word that's going to sustain them. Now, Father God, I thank you right now. If they don't know you, because of the drawing of your spirit, that they will yield to your call. Submit to your wisdom and say, I want to be taught of you. 
If you're like that today, I just want you to say, Jesus loves you. And the Bible tells us if you'd call upon the name of the Lord, you'd be saved. What are you saved from? Yourself. You'll be saved. Now learn how to follow him. Don't go back. Don't be sucked back by the lies of the devil. Go forward. Take the next steps. The next step would be, if you're going to make Jesus the Lord of your life, is to tell somebody about it. Jesus said, if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. You got to tell somebody about it. Tell us. If you're viewing by live stream, email us or put it on Facebook or something. I made Jesus the Lord of my life. What you did is you confessed the name of Jesus over your life. And he confesses you before the Father. Glory be to God. Now, Lord, I worship you and I praise you. Lord, you have a promise to cover every need. To cover every need. You've already made provision through your wisdom and understanding. And Lord, we thank you right now that you are the healer. And Lord, you're the Prince of Peace. You are the provider. Right now, in the mighty name of Jesus, I come against the spirit of confusion. I come against, in the name of the Lord Jesus, the spirit of grief and torment and the spirit of fear. Your power is broken. The word of truth prevails against you. And the peace of God, I speak the peace of God that surpasses all understanding that keeps our hearts and minds in you. Even though this generation is raging, Father God, we thank you. We don't have to be a part of it. In fact, we can give witness that there's another wisdom. Now, Lord, we thank you right now for your healing virtue, restoring hand to marriages and families as well, and the restoring of our health. Give us wisdom to walk in, in, in your health. Not only just heal our bodies, but give us wisdom. And Father God, we thank you right now that as we get ready to leave this place today, that your grace, your influence surrounds us like a shield, follows us wherever we go. We thank you, Father God, that you've given your angels charge over us our families, our properties, and our goods. And you've given us the wonderful name, the name that's above every name, the name of Jesus to use, which we invoke in the name of the Lord Jesus and we declare. Say that with me. In the name of Jesus, I declare there'll be no tragedy named among any of us. Now, fathers, we get ready to leave this place that we ask that you'd fill us so full of your love. That as we go into our everyday lives, that your love would just be so full in us that every person we come in contact in our daily life, that your love just oozes out, touches them, and transforms them. Lord, we give you the praise and the thanksgiving. Would you stand with me? Glory to God. I want to say this to you. Ladies, 
I don't know if you, this is announced, but you need to hear this. Ladies, on October the 2nd at 10 o'clock, Ladies Fellowship. It's a Saturday. So I want you to mark that date down. We're going to get you where you can start getting set up on that. And uh, we're going to have more and more of this. The more we see this day approaching, the more we're going to assemble together, regardless of what the world does. Amen. Okay? In the name of Jesus, be blessed. Give somebody a high five and say, I'm glad that I didn't have to come and listen to this by myself. <laughs>